You there. Welcome to the After School Program, the podcast where we explore conversations with successful young professionals about how they approach careers and lives after school. I'm Zach McHale, and with me as always is my co-host, Connor High. Today's themed episode is Discovering Your Passion. He asked a TV comedy writer, news producer, and professional musician what it was like growing up and how they discovered their passion. Up first is Ella Brooks, staff writer for TBS's The Last OG. Well, um, I grew up an only child, um, and I was always, like, very interested in watching TV. Like, I loved, I, like, I liked writing as a kid, but I, I kind of wasn't a story writer. I liked just, like, coming up with things in my head, but I didn't really know how that could translate into, like, oh, being, like, an author necessarily. So I spent a lot of time, and then especially, like, when I was, like, in high school and stuff, I would, like, watch, like, a movie a night. Like, I was, like very very into it and at first I was like oh I think I want to be an actress so I went to like acting camp and I was like I don't I don't know if this is it like this doesn't feel like exactly what I want to do and then like then I learned what producing was so I was like oh I think I want to be a producer because like I want to like create it but the producer isn't necessarily always in charge of like the creative aspect of it like the producers more so like they can be but it's also a lot of like financing and like things like that so I was like oh I don't want to I don't want to think about like money and math and then finally like I can't even remember how old I was but I like eventually just realized that like screenwriting was a job I think it was probably around the time I was like applying for college so that's when I really started to like look into that so I knew like okay like I think this is like this is this is like everything that I wanted to do was like actually a thing, like it's a real job. And so I applied to a couple of colleges, ended up going to Emerson. And then when I had like my first writing class, I was like, oh shit. Yeah. Like this, this is exactly what I was like thinking of this whole time. To be honest, (laughs) when I applied to Emerson, like I applied for writing for film and television, but that was only because you like didn't really have to like have a portfolio (laughs) that was like the only thing you like didn't really like have to have anything for I was like okay I think I'm gonna do that well I did a program in high school where I was dual enrolled so my junior and senior year of high school I was taking college classes and it counted for both so I kind of no matter like what I would have studied I would have gone through college quickly because I kind of got all my gen eds out of the way but I think that really helped with my college experience because like all my friends when I first got to Emerson were having to take like like math and like science and stuff. I'm like, oh no, I'm just taking like three writing classes and that's it. So I was like, oh, like this is, this is, this is so amazing. Like I don't have to like do all the bullshit anymore. So I knew I kind of wanted to get in and out. And like, I think it ended up working out in the end just in terms of like how everything lined up that I did afterwards. But I was just like, okay, like I don't want to have to like fuck around and like do stuff I'm not interested in. Like I just want to take the classes that I care about. Here's Dan Corey, associate segment producer for MSNBC. So I'm an only child. um, And in my household, both of my parents are very, uh, both of my parents were very opinionated. Mm -hmm. And for whatever reason, like, I don't totally know why. um, But, you know, my mom would always watch the news. Uh, My dad would always watched like the evening newscast as well. Um, and, you know, I'm not really sure what sparked my initial interest in it, but they both like, when I was a kid, I was like 
a bigger, chubbier kid. I wasn't athletic. So because of that, I leaned into the arts. I was very interested in reading. I was very interested in music, especially like, you know, you just mentioned I played the drums. I used to play the trumpet. Um, I did like every band option in school and I loved it. And when the time came in high school, I was very interested in like the literary magazine. Um, when I was doing all of that stuff, uh, I'm not really, I'm not totally sure why, but you know, at, at my high school, it was very sports oriented. There really wasn't that many options for the arts aside from what I was already doing. Um, and I became very, just, I kind of doubled down on that. Um, I was friends with people who shared my music taste. We all liked the same TV shows. Um, and we also all worked together at the same job. When it, I got to college, like when I went to Rutgers, I went there because I got into the business school and I knew I wasn't really interested in business, but I did that because I wanted to have a backup and I wanted my parents to be able to sleep at night <laughs> um, because saying you want to go into a career in journalism is not exactly, you know, it's not exactly the most inspiring thing to say or the most heartening thing to say, I guess. When I was in high school, it was in high school and college, the big story about journalism was that it was a dying industry. It was like, oh, this local newspaper is laying off its workforce. Um, so it was kind of, you know, my parents were very encouraging, um, but it was still like, you know, you got to have a game plan here. When I was at Rutgers, like, don't get me wrong, like, I, I loved all the, all the professors that I had. I'm grateful for the experience that I had there. But at the time, the journalism program was very antiquated. I would, I, I feel like that's not a harsh word. Uh, you know, it, there were lots of things about like news writing, which is still applicable to online, but it was very much geared to newspapers and radio. Um, that is very much a dying thing now. Um, and when, I was there, like I had a radio show. I, I, I did, I played a lot of music cause I kind of, that was my way of marrying my two interests. Um, on top of that, like I became the editor of the school newspaper there. And when I was there, me and everyone else that I worked with, we were all like friends together. We worked every single night in this office in New Brunswick squad 2.0 and we really worked hard to try and bring the newspaper into the current age. Like we knew we had a challenge by covering, you know, hyper local stories in New Brunswick, but at the same time, New Brunswick is kind of like a mini city in Jersey. Um, so we were able to, you know, incorporate more video. We include like gifts of events that we were covering. If there were cool shots of like the basketball game or something, um, that was also around the time of like the 2016 presidential campaign, which in general was a very divisive time in American history. And that trickled down to college campuses as well. So there were lots of protests, things like that. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, I, even though I was interested in the arts, I guess I viewed journalism, even though I was always interested in it. I always kind of viewed it as a vehicle to still use my creative part of my brain 
but also do it in a way where I could potentially get good at it and have job stability. Cause that was another thing I was worried about too. Whenever I, people like ask me about like, who's your role model or anything like that, there are plenty of people who are, who are journalists. So I very, very highly respect. And I, I do view them as role models, but when it comes to what I always looked up to when I was younger, it was always musicians and comedians. Mm-hmm. Um, I would like, James Murphy from LCD Sound System. I loved that there was a bigger dude who could do music that is both dancey but also punk rock. Yeah. Like I loved that. I was obsessed with that. Yeah. Um, uh, there are plenty of comedians too. Like I'm trying to think of a couple off the top of my head, but I also loved Sarah Silverman. I still love her. Um, even right now, like uh, like Chelsea Handler. Fran Lebowitz, like I've always loved that, you know, they're, they're literary, they could write books, um, but they're also funny and they could still, you know, create that their own world, but tell their stories in a way that's, it crosses several different uh, mediums, whether it's TV uh, or books or stand up or yada, yada. Mm-hmm. I've always had these ideas and I've never had the gumption to act on them. I actually have an idea for stand-up that I want to try once we're all done with this pandemic. But until then, I kind of just got to keep writing them down and hope for the best. But um, I don't know. Like, I've always been very interested in the arts. And when I got to college, it just seemed like, I don't know. I, just, I was living on... Rutgers' Bush campus, which is like the science campus. I was kind of the odd man out in my dorm. Everyone was very clicky and, you know, they didn't really talk to anyone beyond their immediate circle of friends much. And many of them went to high school together. So they already knew each other. Uh, Because of that, I was like, okay, well, I need to branch out and do something. For whatever reason, going to the newspaper made the most sense. Um, I decided to double major in journalism and marketing solely because both of them dealt with media. I had no interest in marketing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I really didn't. Um, but, you know, when I was at the newspaper and I got to interview people and be out on the street and, you know, uh, talk to people, do research, write these stories, there was like an addicting feeling to seeing my name on the paper. Um, mm-hmm. and seeing like the headline, whatever it was, it could be the dumbest thing, like a, like a story about a, you know, about a lecture at a science class, but, you know, eventually the stories became more serious and actual hard news. And I think I got kind of the, the reporting bug from that. Mm-hmm. And what, what is the reporting bug for you? Is it, you know, being able to identify with the story and, and, um, you know, the thrill of kind of being able to write it? Is it like a sense of purpose that comes with informing people? Yeah, I think it's a sense of purpose. Like, and, you know, I think a lot of people who have a journalism background have this like high and mighty complex, like, oh, you know, I'm doing a public service. And even when they're not. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do think that if you have the right intentions and that really is what you're setting out to do, um, I've always admired people who try to educate people. I've always loved like 
you know, many of my family members are teachers because of that. Like I've always had an appreciation for teachers, but they, especially now during the pandemic, like I can't imagine doing that job. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think the thing like for the reporting bug, I guess it's just really cool being able to, it's like an adventure. You're, you're digging a little bit, you're finding pieces of information, you're finding how they all fit together and you're finding out what's the most important piece of it. Um, and it's also cool too, seeing how people react once you have that information. Like um, one story I did at Rutgers was about how the athletics department lost a spectacular amount of money. Um, and this was when they were expanding all over. There were plenty of things in the built in across Rutgers that were in disrepair. I was living in a dorm at the time that had asbestos falling from the ceiling. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, there were lots of people who were outraged seeing how much money they lost. And it wasn't really the thing that was interesting about that story was that it wasn't really a hidden secret. Um, it was actually in publicly available uh, information. But because people didn't know about it, and we wrote the story about it, you know, people were aware of it, and they were able to make decisions on their own as to whether they thought, um, you know, what they thought the best source of that money or use of that money rather would be. Even the dumbest stories, like, or not dumbest, because none of these stories were dumb, really, but, you know, even the most seemingly insignificant ones were still enjoyable. I really am very interested in getting to the human side of things. And I feel like there's something about that that gives me fulfillment. And that still extends to my current job today. Last is Jonathan Coleman, professional musician. My first real like music that flipped my lid Mm -hmm. was rap. Okay. And Weird Al Yankovic's Amish Paradise had a lot to do with it. Hmm. <laughs> I so heard that song. When you, when I hear someone say, say how influential say rap, rap was. I'm just, yeah. Not Weird Al. Weird Al. I'm thinking like, we're about to go right into NWA yeah. or like the game or something. You're like, so Weird Al, the original rap. <laughs> but wait, so then. <laughs> OG. Then I checked out Coolio's Gangster's mm-hmm. Paradise. And mm-hmm. then I checked out. LL okay. Cool J and De La Soul and Wu Tang Clan. Oh, so you got the so weird. You, you started the parodies. Yeah. yeah, you started. The yeah, parodies I started the parodies, which makes sense because as a songwriter, I'm I'm parody oriented. Yeah, I was gonna myself. say like your whole being is kind of a parody. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Many would agree. Many would agree. And so, and then I like got into rap rock. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, also, there was a lot of break dancing and stuff, uh, and also doing my own rapping. Did you have parachute parachute so, pants? I had UFO pants. I did. Yeah. They went. They carried into high school. This is still grade school. Uh, so <laughs> who's, then, who's you know, rap rock? Who who are a couple artists? It's, like it's Limp Biscuit. It's Corn. Okay. Mm-hmm. It's Pod. It's uh, and then there was Insane Clown Posse was in there as well. Okay, and we, we and saw so that piggy. I like. Oh, I like guitars. I like basses. I didn't really know the difference. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I was like into Three Eleven, and then I was like into Tool. And, uh, you know, getting deeper into rock and stuff. And around this time, I had started high school. And before high school, there was a flyer sent to all the parents. And it was like, the musical this year is The Wizard of Oz. We're holding auditions before the school year starts. Mm-hmm. So my father saw this and was like, hey, you can do the robot. Maybe you can be the Tin Man. You should audition for this. It could be a great way to meet people 
before you start start school. And I was like, hey, dad, you know, I'm just like some fucking asshole teenager kid, as we all are. And I go, I do the Tin Man. They like the way I move so much. They're like, you know what? You're going to be the Scarecrow, which, if you're unfamiliar, is the male lead of The Wizard of Oz. Yes. He's the first companion she finds yeah mm-hmm. now i couldn't sing to skin a toad and you also don't so, have a brain which is perfect. And I, yeah so they're like all right so not that, only are that, you now the lead in yeah, the musical as of not even a freshman yet so all the seniors want to hang me you you can't sing okay so now you're in choir as well so i'm like man i'm gonna get beat up you know like, they put you in choir to like get you to be able to sing yeah and you know these weren't as accepting as the times we are now right. so i was like you know worried how i'd be perceived yeah and now i probably like wouldn't give a shit you know i'd be like cool like whatever this is what i'm doing but uh i was nervous about it and Mm -hmm. i was on my way to choir one day and i heard it for the first time that i can recall an electric bass through an amp coming from the band room and i ran to the sound and my friend perry genovese was there playing his uh might have been like american jazz bass Mm -hmm. and i was like show me how to do something man (laughs) and he showed me how to play brain stew not the detuned version because it is an e-flat tuning but uh i learned brain stew i ran home mom and dad i want to be a bass player and they're like what's what's a bass (laughs) so they got me a scarecrow that was christmas the year 2000 so this year will mark 20 years of being a musician mm, dang so i guess from their question what's a bass i guess your family's not too musically inclined i am i'm the only musician on any side of my family no wow. kidding so they you, you know, got all I think of there's a, a mixture of a uh, pity and awe um <laughs> which i accept <laughs> um but you know i've had so much support from my family so i truly am joking it's it's yeah. not like i've just been out here in the wild uh sleeping in trees but from uh, there did you get into like high school jazz band well i i there was already a great guy there yeah ed leaf ed leaf was crushing jazz band Mm -hmm. and so i did concert band i I was and then i was in a guitar ensemble as well we did a great rendition of stings uh or the police's every breath you take we had a guitar ensemble i also was in theater guild i was vice president of student council i was insanely involved in high school it was a great four years how did the scarecrow go and and scarecrow i I did great and then i was in musicals in leading capacities for the next four years wow okay so it was musical and like the concert band yeah concert bands guitar ensemble i started Mm -hmm. a band with friends in my hometown and we were uh so i haven't mentioned something here about this high school development is that at a certain point probably sophomore year of high school, one year into playing bass, my dear friend Jay Canavo got me into the band Fish. Uh, now, at this time, I would say Fish sucks, tool rules. Right. And But he showed me a Fish song. It was Ghost off of Story of a Ghost. Change and it has life. some really, really groovy slap bass stuff, which I loved slap bass. I liked Primus. I, like I said, Corn and all the rap rock stuff had a lot of slap bass in it. It's 311. Mm-hmm. And so I became obsessed with Fish. And they weren't even doing anything at this time they were on hiatus number one yeah, so i'm like watching bittersweet motel i'm getting all the bootlegs i'm listening to the studio albums downloading whatever i can off of napster kazam and limewire and then somewhere i think my junior year they were like we're coming back we're putting out an album roundworm what we're year playing, what year was this 2003, 2003. we're playing the spectrum 
And right. I was like, excuse me. So I got tickets and me and my friend Mundy, who Connor knows. I do. We, and he was just, he was deeper into rap. He liked clips and fabulous and, you know, anything that was 2003 rap centric and cool. Right. He liked. So me and Mundy went to fish and it blew our freaking minds. <laughs> <laughs> and I never recovered. No. They, opened, <laughs> they opened the door for me to funk music to jazz to classical music to yeah. improvisation of all kinds and i remain forever a student and grateful for those four musicians they're my towering biggest influence of all thanks for listening to another themed episode of after school program you can check out our website asppod.com for show notes and transcripts and follow us on social media at aspod thanks again and we'll see you next time